this life all for the glory of Jesus. And so this morning, um, it kind of goes with that. So I would love for you to turn to James chapter 3. Um, James chapter 3. Um, we're going to get there in just a little bit. been talking a little bit about relationships and um, marriage the last uh, little bit and uh, wanted to, to share uh, this message. was going to share it last week, but just didn't feel that it was right. And uh, so moved it to this week. But uh, there is just something powerful when it comes to our words and what we say uh, to one another, what we say about one another, um, how we as a, as a body can, can really encourage each other, and specifically even in relationships, how we can use our words uh, for life and not death. And uh, I remember um, I was married, uh, we were married about six years, um, so it was about 2006 or 2007, somewhere in there, uh, Cece and I had our, our biggest argument. Um, a pretty defining argument uh, in our lives, uh, really shaped us uh, for uh, many years to come and even today. We were living on the north side of, of town by Camp Geneva, uh, 3524 North Lakeshore Drive, a small little house right on Lakeshore Drive, and uh, we would always get freaked out when the kids would go to the front yard because it was right by Lakeshore Drive and cars were flying by at 55 miles an hour. And uh, this was our second house and we had purchased it after we redid a house down uh, downtown Holland and uh, thought, okay, we'll, we'll purchase uh, a newer house. And the previous one had a lot of projects and all that stuff. And I was frankly tired of doing projects. And Cece's like, I'll be live on the north side. That's where I grew up. And so we bought this little house and frankly, we're not in agreement uh, in buying that house. Um, but we thought, hey, you know what? We'll just live here for a couple years and then uh, move on to the next thing. Well, a couple years in, um, and if you remember kind of uh, what was happening in 2007 and 2008, the housing market crashed. And uh, Cece and I found ourselves, uh, she was um, at home with two kids. We had two kids at the time. I was actually working at a church up in Grand Rapids. And we found ourselves $20,000 in credit card debt and uh, underwater in our house uh, by 50 grand. And uh, that was uh, really the catalyst that caused uh, the biggest argument uh, in our lives. We're sitting there in a living room, small little living room, like tiny, tiny. And that was one of the biggest issues in that house. And I was on one chair and she was on the other chair. And we were going back and forth. You did this and you did that. And I can't believe we're here. And blah, 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 blah. And there were some other words that I won't repeat here uh, that were flying in the living room. And it was, um, we pray for heaven to come to earth. And frankly, that was hell come to earth. Like there was conflict in the midst of that, uh, that, uh, that conversation. There was blame back and forth. But I can honestly remember there was a moment after a while, it was a while back and forth, uh, uh, just uh, blaming one another, that really the, the, the Holy Spirit entered the room. And I remember both of us came to this point, uh, really came to our senses and said something along the lines of, what are we doing what are we doing here? Like, what is going on? Here we were just six, seven years prior, uh, professing our love for one another, that we're going to become one and, and live, you know, uh, together for the rest of our lives. And just like, you know, like this is our life. And then all of a sudden we're in the living room opposed to one another. And it was in the midst of that conversation, the Lord put something on our hearts. And it was this, like, what are we doing? First of all, we are one. We're on the same team. And it was in that moment that we took something from the house, just a, a really random object. It could have been the remote control or something. We put it right in the middle of us and we said, you know what? This is our common enemy. We are not the enemy. We are one. We need to fight this together. And frankly, from that moment on, it changed everything in our relationship. 
coming at things together, looking at things, you know, for, um, for, with our, our different skill set, but attacking it together. But it was that one thing that we said, like, we are on the same team. We are one. That is something that has huge implications for all of our lives, whether we're married or whether we're not. First of all, if you think about it, if you are in Christ, you are one with Christ. You know, we, the mystery of the gospel, Colossians 1.27 says this, Paul says this, this is the mystery of the gospel, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus even said before he, he left, he said, you know, I will be in you and you will be in me. Now, I don't fully understand that, but as a new creation in Christ, we are one with Christ. There is this oneness. As a body here this morning, we are many different people sitting here on this Sunday morning, but the New Testament says we who uh, form one body, we're, we're different, but we form one body. But then even when it comes to marriage, in the last couple of weeks we looked at this, there's numerous verses that say two people become one. We were created for oneness. Oneness with the Lord, oneness with each other in the body, oneness in marriage, and we were created uh, for that reason, for a purpose, to make disciples, to live for the glory of Jesus. Even in this moment, like the oneness that we experience here is for a purpose, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, there are so many different things that can break apart oneness. Oneness in a marriage, oneness, frankly, in our relationship with the Lord and, and get us down, but also oneness in the church. There's so many different things that can come in the way of that and, and attack that oneness. But there is one that I've seen over and over and over again wreck relationships, wreck relation, friendships, wreck relationships in the church, and it's the power of the tongue. And James, a brother of Jesus, talks about this in James chapter 3. And so I want to look at that uh, this morning. And uh, there's going to be a number of verses up on the screen. Uh, and if you have the Bible app, uh, they are all out there uh, as well. Um, you can look at them this way, or you can look at uh, a physical copy. But we're going to be in James uh, chapter 3. And this is James. He's writing to uh, just Jewish Christians. He's, James is a, a brother of Jesus. And he says this, um, and I find like we can resonate so much with what James says here in James chapter 3. He says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the, into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things." How great a forest fire is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I'll keep reading in just a second. But like, you look at that. James talking about the tongue. And he makes all of these comparisons. He says, you know, the tongue is like um, a bridle that you put into the, the horse, uh, a, a, uh, a mouth of a horse. You know, if you've ever been up close uh, to a horse, like these horses are just, you know, powerful. Like you stand next to a horse. It's, it's absolutely huge. 
And uh, the thing that can control a horse is you just put a little piece into its mouth and you can tell that horse which way to go. Or uh, James also said, it's kind of like a, a massive ship. Like these, these huge big ships, they're controlled by a little rudder. I think of all the times that I watched Deadliest Catch, you know, way back in the day and uh, those shipping uh, boats up in, up in Alaska going to find a crab out in uh, the, the Bering Sea. And all of a sudden, the, the captain would freak out when he would lose control of his rudder, like the little steering device. Like he would freak out because then the, the boat was just uh, was useless, was being tossed to and fro from, uh, from, the, from the waves. And so James is saying here, the tongue is such a small part of our body, but it is so, so powerful. And then he even goes on and says, no one can tame the tongue. And he says, we can tame these animals, we can tame these wild animals, but no one can tame the tongue. And you think about it. Like, I grew up in Southern California, and I would go to SeaWorld all the time, and my favorite thing to, my favorite show to watch was uh, the Shamu show, those big orca killer whales. And they would have, you know, I know there's been questions about uh, all of their treatment of the animals or whatever, but I just remember seeing those big killer whales. And the very, like, at the very end of the show, Shamu would come out of the water and uh, have a trainer on his nose and shoot the trainer up in the air. And you would think, like, we have tamed these massive killer whales. All they would have to do is shoot the trainer up in the, the air and open up their mouth and boom, you know, lunch. But we've been able to train, you know, wild um, killer whales, thousand-pound elephants. I'd go to the wild animal park, and here was this thousand-pound elephant that would be, you know, sitting there and being controlled by its master. We've been able to control those animals, those wild animals. But James says we have no, we have, we cannot tame the tongue. No one can tame the tongue. And then it says the tongue is full of deadly poison. Like that's the power of the tongue. And here's what's confusing about the tongue. Here's what's confusing about our speech. Verse 9 says this, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters. These things ought not to be. Like James is saying, like, this is the confusing part. On one hand, we, we praise God with our mouths, like we did this morning, singing these amazing songs and telling God how great he is. But then in the same day, we can go and, and say something negative about a brother or sister in Christ. We can say something negative about uh, another person who is made in the image of God. And we have all experienced this. We've all experienced that blessing. We know the power of the tongue that, that a person can, co can come up to us and speak a word of encouragement. And you'll never forget that. It'll change the course of your day, possibly even the course of your life. I can still remember words that were shared to me all the way back when I was a junior in high school. A mentor of mine came along and shared some things with me, and I can remember it to this very day. It was life-giving. And I bet as I'm saying this, you can remember words that people have said to you, things that have helped you during a dark time, things that have changed the direction of your life, things that have encouraged you just profoundly. We know the power of the tongue to lift our spirits, but we also know the power of the tongue to just crush us. You know, it's that old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the biggest lie. Because I bet if we were to get into a conversation, there are words that were said to you, or maybe even said about you, hurtful words that you can remember to this very day. No matter how hard you've tried to forget 
they're still there. And so we know the power of the tongue, the power of the tongue to lift somebody up or the power of the tongue to destroy somebody. And James here even says, like, the power of the tongue is so destructive. Why? Because it is set on fire by hell itself. I mean, that's sobering. Like, our mouths can be a tool of the enemy. You think back to Peter in the New Testament. He makes this powerful proclamation of who Jesus is. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, you are so right in what you say about me. And on you, Peter, I will build my church. Then the very next section, Jesus is talking about going to the cross and dying. And Peter stands up and says, no, absolutely not, Lord. That's not going to happen. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan. And we see that in Peter. Peter proclaimed the greatness of Jesus with his mouth, but his mouth is also used as a tool by Satan. And so when it comes to what we say, when it comes to our speech, we have to ask ourselves, what are we saying? What is coming out? Is it for good? Is it for building up? Or is it for destruction? But the mouth, here's why it's so important. The mouth reveals the heart. This is what James says in verse 11. Does a spring put, pour forth from the same opening? both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What James is saying is it's not about what's coming out of the mouth. It's about what's in your heart. And I bet James was referring back to something that his brother Jesus said. Because this is very similar to what Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 6, I believe, up on the screen. Is it up there, Piper? There it is. So Jesus says this, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear, bad, bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. And then this line, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, I think of young couples I think of even anybody in relationships. One of the biggest issues that comes up is the topic of communication. Help us communicate. Help us, help us talk with one another. And I know that is a real issue. But I look at Jesus' words, and when we come to the topic of communication and how do we communicate with one another, I think Jesus wants us to go deeper than what comes out of our mouths. He wants us to explore what's in our heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. You want to improve your communication with your spouse. You want to improve your communication with your kids. You want to improve communication with others. It starts with the heart. What is in your heart? What is in the deepest part of your heart? See, we want to improve our speech, but maybe the thing that needs to improve is our, our nature. We need a new nature that is completely full of the love of Jesus. And so this morning, I have a couple of questions and a couple of things just to really make this practical. And when I ask these questions... It's not about necessarily what comes out of the mouth. I really want us to evaluate the heart. What is in our heart? What are you saying? What comes out of your mouth? What are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about your spouse? What are you saying about other people in church? What are you saying about people in the community? What are you saying to them? What are you saying about them? What are you saying to others about other people? What are you saying privately about yourselves? What words are you speaking to yourself? 
With your words, are you growing oneness or are you bringing divisiveness? Like I said at the very beginning, I have seen many things destruct relationships. There's sexual immorality in the world that, that we can talk about for days. We need to grow in a purity of our eyes and of our actions. But also, this morning I believe what the Lord is saying is that we need to grow in our purity of speech and what we say and how we talk about others. I mean, James goes on to say, and this one's not up on the screen, don't speak evil against anyone. Don't speak evil against, against anyone. And then Paul says in Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for the building up as it fits the occasion. Or Proverbs 18, 21, and this one is up on the screen. The tongue has the power of life and death. Death and life are in the power of the tr- tongue. Are you bringing life or are you bringing death with what you say? And I want to first ask that question about yourself. Are you bringing death or life to yourself with what you say? How do you talk about yourself? How do you, when you're by yourself, how do you talk about yourself? How do you talk to yourself? Do you build yourself up with what you say? I think this is so important because we can have so many lies in our head that come from the enemy. We have so many lies that come crashing into our minds. And it's so important to remind ourselves of the truth. That in Christ we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. In Christ we are accepted, we are loved. We need to remind ourselves of our new identity in Christ. If we are in Christ, it's what we sang uh, earlier. There's no guilt in life. I mean, that is absolutely amazing. You and I can walk through life if we are in Christ. And as we stumble and as we sin, as we trip and we make mistakes, that does not define us. The love of Christ defines us. But so often we get tripped up because we know what we've done. And so we need to repeat and share the gospel with us every single day. We need to say the gospel to us over and over and over again. What are you saying to yourself? We need to talk well to ourselves. We need to speak truth to ourselves. Are you bringing life to yourself or are you bringing death? For this one, are you bringing life and death to others by what you say? How do you talk to others to their face? And how do you talk to others behind their backs? I think West Michigan is a wonderful place to live. I think as life takes a turn for the worst, you see the best come out of people in West Michigan. Meals and all this stuff. But also West Michigan be a very brutal place to live. Because people have high expectations and can be very judgmental and have very specific ideas on how we need to live. And so they look around and they say, oh, that person's living differently. Oh, that person, ah, Dave, he mowed his grass again on Sunday. Oh, I can't believe, like, that's how their relationship, you know, acts. Like, oh, that, there's something wrong with their relationship. You know, they're not following those stereotypical male-female, you know, uh, ways of living. People talk, and it breaks my heart because all around, I hear so many judgmental things that are lobbied against people and things that aren't sin, but people love to tell one another They don't even tell each other to their face. They tell behind their backs about how they should live. And it has crushed people. How do we talk about others behind their backs? Now, I'm going to get in just a second to like what happens if there's somebody who's sinning. How do we deal with that? But so often in West Michigan, we talk about one another. We destroy one another behind their backs by what we say. But then also, how do you talk 
about your wife or your husband? Are you bringing life and death into your marriage by how you talk about your husband or wife? What do you say to your friends about your husband or wife? What do you say to maybe your own parents about your husband or wife? Or parents, if you have kids who are married, what do you say about their spouses to others? I go back to the very beginning, our marriage, when we were in that living room. Everything changed in that moment. You know what? I can honestly say when I was sitting in that living room, I was so frustrated at Cece. You did this. You did that. And you know what? She was frustrated at me. You did this. You did that. But everything changed when the way that I spoke about her to myself and to others changed. And I started to thank God for the wife that he had given me. I started to thank God for the gifts that she had. Because we looked at that situation when we were in debt and we were underwater in our house. And I thought I had to shoulder the whole responsibility. That I had to fix the problem. And in that moment, I realized I didn't have to do this. I wasn't just by myself. I was, we were one. And she has gifts that she brings to the table. She has these incredible ideas that come. And you know what? I didn't have to come up with those ideas. And I had to listen to our ideas and like, oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. That's a horrible idea. I will implement this idea. And we started to work together instead of apart. And everything changed. And in 18 months, we were out of debt working together. It was absolutely amazing because we were working for oneness and we were speaking life into one another. I just look at that and I ask the question, what are we saying? How are we using our words? Now, two quick little thoughts. What do you do when someone is sinning? I think the Bible is absolutely clear. What do you do when you see a problem and it's, it's, there's sin that is involved? Matthew 18, verse 15, up on the screen. These are words of Jesus. And this is the type of body that I would love for us to be, uh, uh, us to, to have. To follow this example, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Go talk to each other face to face. This is so clear. This is what Jesus says. If you have a problem, if someone sinned against you, go to that person. Call them out. Speak to them directly. Don't go behind their back. This is so powerful because if I have an issue with my father-in-law and if, I, if, he, if he sinned against me or if I sinned against him like, and, and I go to him and we work it out, then that's all good. But what happens, and this happens so often, what happens if I have a problem with my father-in-law and I go tell Tyler about it? Tyler, my father-in-law, man, I'd tell you. I'm trying to think of something bad you did, Dad, but I can't think of it. Um, and if I tell Tyler that, and then I have that conversation. Then if I go over to Pat Schaefer, and I go, hey, my father-in-law. But here's what happens. If I go and talk to them, but if I repair things with my father-in-law, how often in our world do I go back to Tyler and say, you know what? I'm good with my father-in-law. Or how often do I go back to Pat and say, I'm good with my father-in-law? No, I repair things with my father-in-law, but Tyler and Pat still think he's a jerk. And it breaks down the body. If we don't go and we, if we don't go face to face with one another and deal with things, and if things don't get worked out, if we don't bring a couple people and keep the circle small, then all of a sudden it it it, it throws complexity into the body of Christ and into relationships. It breaks down the body. If you have a problem, go to the person. I've heard so many problems 
uh, in people's lives. I've heard so many problems in the church. Very few come and talk to me directly. If you have a problem, go to the person. If you have pain in your life, this is the second thing. And this is the most powerful tool that we have. And it's very clear. Jesus says, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. There is power in forgiveness. There is power in giving people what we ourselves have received from Christ. Forgive. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're excusing what was done to you. In fact, you're giving it to the one who can take care of it. You're saying, God, I'm giving you this hurt. But just so you know, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two people to come together. Forgiveness, though, is something that we are commanded to do. And forgiveness is such a sign of strength. Forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. I just look at this and with our words, with our speech. We have such power to bring life or death. What are we doing with our words? Are we encouraging? Are we building one another up? Or are we tearing one another down? And just as we end, I want to read the last part of James 3 because I believe this summarizes it all. This is the wisdom by which we're supposed to live. James 3 verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? And what is wisdom? Wisdom isn't head knowledge. Wisdom is applied knowledge. It's it's behavior. Who's wise among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and be false to the truth. That is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That is what jealousy and selfish ambition produces. But here's the wisdom that comes from above. Heavenly wisdom is pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That is the kind of wisdom, that is the kind of life that we are after. One that is selfless, one that is not jealous, one that is seeking peace, that's full of mercy, that's sincere. So as we close, I want you to bow your heads. I'd love for the worship team to come up. Is there an air away that you've used your mouth, you've used your words to bring death into somebody's life? I just, I just really feel that, that we need to repent for maybe some things that we've said about others, maybe even to others, ways that we've been critical towards others, maybe towards other churches, towards other people, ways that we've been jealous. And maybe today, that even as you remember some things, maybe you need to go face and have a, have a conversation with somebody face to face. Or maybe you need prayer, you just need a prayer for healing of your heart. Something that was said long ago to you, maybe about you. I believe the Lord wants to heal your heart. Or then maybe even here today, you're, you're praying and you're asking, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. You're just begging for wisdom. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask.
So I think two things. How have you used? How have you used your word? Your words for death to destroy others. I just keep hearing the Lord wants us to turn from that, to repent of those times. But also I know people have suffered because of words said to them. I know the Lord wants to speak truth into your life. Father, I just, I ask for forgiveness for words that we have said that I have said others have said that have been used to hurt other people forgive us for the ways that we've been critical towards others forgive us for the ways that we've been jealous and we've used our words out of jealousy to hurt other people Father it truly just breaks our heart when we think about the things that we've said and how it has been used by the enemy to destroy. We just say we're sorry. Father, for those here in this room that they hear this running record through their mind of words that were said to them. For the person here in this room that has heard that they were a mistake. I ask Jesus that you would replace it with the truth that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you have a plan and a purpose for their life. Father, I thank you for the way that you speak about us. That you see us as your kids. Holy and dearly loved by your son, Jesus. I thank you for that. Lord, may we live every single day of our lives with the desire, with our actions, and with our words to bring heaven to earth. All for your glory, Jesus. It's in your name I pray.